This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello and welcome to episode 16, where we find ourselves ahead in our recording. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, well, feel free to laugh. Yeah. I thought that very was quite good, good actually. Yeah, it's very good. How, how long did it take you to think of that one? <laughs> Since we recording our last one, which was two <laughs> weeks. Yes, yeah. All right, okay, here we go then. Um, mm, the web, the web. Yes, the web. Now, is it, is it an... I was going to say, is it an unbroken or an unwritten uh, BBC rule that any episode that involves the word the web is usually pretty good? So you've got the web of fear, mm. the web here, oh, mm. the web planet. Uh, oh, well, it lasted, <laughs> it lasted for two stories. <laughs> you should have stopped after two. I was actually thinking the other day as well. I mean, we have so many tallies now. I'm not going to do this one. But how many times... I'm sure somebody's answered this online or somewhere. But how many times is the title of a Blake Seven story actually mentioned in the story? So, you know, Project Avalon yeah, was... Were, were, Travis said that, you know. And, and you have the word web here or and the web. So, yeah, I, I wonder if that's out there somewhere, if some of them are, you know. I don't um, know. Hmm. Yeah, it's a bit late to do it now. You'll have to go back and watch all the episodes that we've covered yeah i'm, I'm fed so up with doing bit... that i've been doing that just lately yeah. with you know uh, various little tally things and i wish we'd had all these ideas before we started yeah. this thing it would have made it so much easier are you uh worried you might get burnt out watching so much blake no i don't think so <laughs> i think I, I i think for you and i for doing this podcast you know i mean we watched it we loved it and you know we we, we listened to it and you know it, it's always been part of our science fiction fandom, hasn't it? I don't think yeah. you can get tired of it. No, and I think if you do, if you if you if you do become slightly jaded, I think the secret is to then watch it with someone that hasn't watched it before. And like your you, wife, yeah, my wife, uh, your kids. I mean, I'm not suggesting other people watch it with your kids or my wife <laughs> because that that might be a bit weird. But find your own stranger. <laughs> Or get them off the street or something, and sit and watch it. And it's it's like watching it anew, isn't it? You're seeing it with mm. fresh eyes. Not always a also, good experience. No, but also, I mean, if 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 you say had a you know a bit of a you know an episode uh, marathon, and you were like watching say season three, and you got a bit fed up with it, well, you know, each season is it cleans your palate doesn't it um each season is different in tone so if you don't like some of the episodes in three go back and watch one because they are just yeah. so different in style and tone aren't they yeah i i find my my palate trends in episode is um one we haven't covered yet seek locate destroy um i find that that's my sort of go-to you know if i've if i've watched too many uh assassins or mm. volcanoes uh i go and watch that and it cheers me up again and it reminds me what a great show it is. Yeah, it is a bit of a reset button, that one, isn't it? It is, yeah. And yeah, I'll tell you it's... what, I've d I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but but 
you know, working out the running schedule and of all the different characters and in all the different episodes, that is the one story where there isn't anybody in it that we can feature. Other than a major... And other than, I mean, we're going to be doing Travis. We're going to be, you know, doing all the main characters towards the end yeah. of this show. But there isn't a guest character in it. You've got a couple of technicians who, you know, are uh, rummaging around in the debris. But it's not substantial enough. And one of them we've already mentioned, the, you know, the first Federation uh, uh, trooper to speak. But there isn't yeah. a, a, a standalone character in that. Uh, story that we can actually focus on so that is one we're we're never going to do do you think then that's why it's so good because there's there's no this sounds awful there's no guest stars coming in and nosing it up mm. you've got just the quality regular cast so that it's not their first sort of roll of the dice on the program so yeah they're, i mean they're sort yeah. of there could be it could be i mean if you had a guest character in there well you're going to have less travis time yeah. aren't you which is a and that's, no-no. That's not a good thing, no. <laughs> no, we need more Travis time. Any time yeah. with Travis is quality time. Well, there's no Travis in this one. Uh, there's no. no Federation in this one. Um, this is uh, this is a weird one. In it could, it could st- almost stand alone as a movie script. Mm. In that, you could replace. This is not detriment to it, but you could replace Blake and the Liberator with any ship, and it would still work as a story. It could be. It, yeah. it could be the TARDIS was caught in the web. Yeah. This could be a Doctor Who story. Yeah, or Star Trek. It could be the Enterprise mm-hmm. caught in the web. And, you know, although yeah. there would be a lot more obviously fist fighting. Kirk would go down there and just <laughs> kick the crap out of the decimals. Um, <laughs> he'd side with the other guys, wouldn't he? Go, yeah, kill him, kill him all. You know, he, he he would have to get down on his knees, but he would like grab a decimal and and throw him over his shoulder. That's what he tended he to do an awful lot. Or or that lay on his back and stick his legs up so the decimal flies over the top of him. Yeah, there'll be plenty that would, of that going on. He would, he would be doing that, yeah, or or clasping his fist together and doing that weird sort of hit when he hit across the back like he does with the gorn. Have like you, you ever, outside of Star Trek, ever seen anybody do this two-handed punch? No, you never. You never watch a pub fight and someone <laughs> clasps their fist together and swings it at you. You never watch yeah, it in but, boxing. That's not no. a boxing move. But then I suppose equally, we've never really seen Kirk Glass anyone, have we? So swings no. and roundabouts. What an odd tangent we're going on uh, yeah. right now. Especially for such a good episode. This is this yeah. was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, journey. yeah, because yeah, we're back in season one and, yeah. you know, palate Come cleansing. On. Yes, yes. I think it, it's quite uh, quite nice that we, we, yeah. we reset and start. So, like, it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Yeah. Season one feels like a lovely, comfy cardigan. That you put on, which is ironic because that's what Blake wears in this, isn't it? <laughs> we see a lot of his cardigan and a lot of him. Yeah, right. We, we, I thought when I watched that, I thought of you immediately. Did but you? we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, immediately I, I thought about you and that. something you. Yeah, no, something you had pointed out about how Blake gets his like you know business head on. Um, but we'll be talking about that yeah. shortly. It but also, I I was thinking this is quite an. Uh, uh, an important story in that it it's of course it's the first one after the origin story you've basically got a four-part origin story haven't you to yeah, actually is, get everybody on board the liberator and everything yeah this is where everything's set up everything all the all the dominoes are in their place and this is the first of the 
this like i say you don't need to you don't need to have seen anything else really no. to understand the story in this one which you would you know any of the others you would really have to watch them all um but i also remember at the time when this was released this was in all the papers it was, you know there was so mm. much publicity for the decimers because yeah. it was the first sort of alien race uh, depending on whether you count Callie as alien i suppose it depends whether you count the decimers as alien but it's the first alien race that we we witness on the show and it's nice that it's in season one and so early because the budget's still there yeah yeah yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got my notes here. It's the first ever aliens we see after Callie, albeit genetically engineered ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're right. The budget is still there. I mean, God knows how much this all cost to put together. But um, yeah, well, there's, yeah, there's it... quite a few Decima costumes, aren't they? And they look good. All the mm. sets look good. The the sort of um, center parks uh, buildings in the woods with all the cobwebs. That looks good. It's a really nice-looking episode, this. Mm, mm. All right, well, let's start off then, because we start on, on this planet. We've got all these webs going around Black Park, because that's where they did film it. Um, which makes me want to go back to Black Park with some silly string and just <laughs> spray some over and, and pose in my in my top in Black Park. Yeah, okay. do you think that um, like the park wardens at Black Park, assuming there are any... They they see a coach load of Blake Seven fans and it's like oh no we're gonna have to clear up the trees again. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure the Black Park wardens have seen it all because you know yeah. it's a place of pilgrimage. If you're a Hammer film fan, if you're a Harry Potter fan, if you're a Superman fan, because you know they 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 did some of Superman two there. If you're a James Bond fan, you know you have yeah. all these pilgrimage. I'm sure they, you, they, they they used to seeing coach loads of people in costumes. You know, do you remember around. the uh, Do you remember the Goodies episode, You uh, Friend or UFO, where they go to mm. Nutter's Knoll, and um, there's signs up and it's like. Uh, 11 o'clock, the Druids, and the Druids come out. And then 12 o'clock, the Naturists, and it'll be like that for Black Park. <laughs> it so would 11 be. 11 o'clock, Vampires. Yeah, there's some sort of holding area for all these yeah. different groups, because never the two shall meet. Oh, can't mix yeah. Doctor Who fans, Blake Seven fans, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the, and then the Star Trek fans turn up and start double-punching people. double <laughs> Oh, what a lovely mental image. Yeah, but no, yeah, we've got Black Park, and you've got these webs, and... Also, you've got what appears to be those balloon things from the prisoner. I don't know yeah. if they are the actual ones from the. They look prisoner. like weather balloons, don't they? Blown up. Um, yeah. I imagine the BBC probably had a stock of weather balloons. Uh, it looks good, though. I like the fact that it's not, not just a sort of, you know, it pans round and it's a, a, a square building or shared or. I mean, it, it looks nicely. You're you're sort of pulled in and think, what is this? Yeah. I mean, what is it? I mean, is this a they real... worked. Yeah. <laughs> is this a real industrial building? Is it an agricultural building that they repurposed? They, well, they, I, they, yeah. They're definitely inflatable because... Yeah, um... I, I wondered that, whether it's like a, you know, almost like a hazmat type thing or... Because I'm trying to remember whether we had any outbreaks of foot and mouth around that time. We probably <laughs> did. We were having them quite regularly, weren't we, at one point? Um, but yeah, it looks like that sort of thing where they set up a temporary but needs to be sealed environment yeah it does doesn't it it, yeah. it very much looks like that and you've got this voiceover um this this whispery voice chanting yeah. they must come to us they must come
Um, and the camera moves to those buildings, at, which have got orange flashing warning lights on there. Why have they got orange flashing warning lights? We're going to find out. There's only three, you know, sentient, proper creatures on this planet. Why are there orange flashing lights outside the building? Well, perhaps they bred the decimers to fear orange flashing lights, and that was one way they were trying to keep them away. Oh, they don't like he orange. He says, desperately trolling for an answer. Yeah, I don't... Uh, other than the fact that it's sci-fi, so it must have flashing lights. Mm. Yeah. So if if Blake had an orange anorak on, then oh, he'd he would have been all right. Yeah. Yeah. Or if he'd yeah. carried some satsumas in his pockets and threw them at him, he'd <laughs> have been safe. Or, he, or if he had fake tan on. Yeah. That's yeah, that's true. If he had been a, if, if if this had been set now, because yes. because in the seventies, like fake tan, that was just rubbing bisto into your skin, wasn't it? <laughs> or lard, yeah. Or lard, yeah. And yeah, yeah talking of lardy, we're back to Blake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, but no, before we go back to Blake, um, <laughs> we go inside and we get a, this nice panning shot of lots of. Reminded me a lot of Brain of Morbius, all this technology that's yeah, bubbling colour, away colour, and everything. Science, and it? Coloured beakers of liquid. All yeah, science very stuff. 70s uh, laboratory, isn't it? Yes. yes. I actually wrote down on my notes, interesting direction in this mm. one. It's not the normal, let's get it shot style. Again, probably because it's so early in the run, they've got time to... Sort of yeah, they've got a dolly track. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, 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 they've got wheels on their camera. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it looks different to any other episode, I think, this one, the, the direction on it. It has got a, a, a different feel. <coughs> Absolutely yeah. does, yeah. But the camera passes two people lying on some like very 70s plastic chairs, yeah. um, stock still with their eyes open. I don't know if we were supposed to think that they were robots or something at this point. Possibly. I mean, you they... I was wondering this, watching it, thinking, are we meant to think these are cyborgs or androids or something? Because they're wearing silver suits like most robots. I mean, look at like the robot in Volcano. Um, they're they're acting in a very sort of robotic Stiff. way. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I wondered that, and then I. But it's so you know, it's so long ago. I can't remember what my initial reaction was. Well, we were saying this about um, uh, the in the Gunsar episode. Yeah, it's so long ago. We can't. Re All my memories of these episodes are just endlessly listening to them on my cassettes. Not a memory of when I, apart from like Terminal um, and Star One and Blake, I can remember watching them. But all the yeah. others, you know, they've just been supplanted by memories of just listening to them while I've been up in my bedroom modelling away and stuff. You know. Can you can you sort of separate in your mind what the 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 characters actually look like as to what you were picturing when you were hearing it? No, well, the Decimas, yeah, because as you say, there there were publicity photos yeah. of the Decimas, but the two, the brother and sister, were just about to encounter. Um, I I didn't remember them not until until this came out on uh, videotape. Yeah. Did I ever? Because we've talked about this before. Blake Seven Monthly uh, came out, but there was a heavy emphasis on season four because that's what was out at the time, and it was only towards the end of the run of that magazine that they started then showing photos didn't they from season yeah. one and two and then it would just be one small black and white photo in the middle of something else so yeah, yeah you wouldn't that, get that, a spread that was... or anything no no not at all um, the, the the only photos you ever saw like in other publications if if they showed them at all it was usually that uh, wobbly robot from seek locate destroy yeah or the shot of the decimas and blake yeah but that was that was sort of that was the two 
shots that they used, wasn't it? You very oh, all the other stories. There were never any photos from them. No. You know, and, and so it was a bit of a joy when they came out on video cassette because suddenly you've got visuals to go with the audio that I knew yeah. so well. You so, know? Sometimes it was a, um, it wasn't a good thing with no. some of the costumes, but <laughs> you're right. It's um, before that. It's like I used to read like the program guide and Horizon magazine things like that, and. I didn't really know, especially some of the, the minor characters that you wouldn't remember. And you'd read about them and think, who, what did these people look like? Who are, what mm. actor? I don't know. And it, when you finally saw them, it's like, ah, right, okay. And it sort of well, made it, sense. It's the case here with Samon, because the camera moves yeah. to Samon, you know, our character this week. And I had a vague memory of a head in a tank. Yeah. Uh, but not quite looking like this. But we get a few head in tanks, don't we, and... Isn't it? There's one in is old, is it Ultra World or one of the late one of the season threes. We get a head in a tank creature, don't we? Yeah, but no, they, you're 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 talking about Moloch when you've got that, the, yeah. the yeah yeah the um uh the Federation captain was put in there because Moloch yes. told him to go in the tank. So yeah, he was in there, and I and of course you got Moloch. He he wasn't in a tank. He was in like a in a in a giant bin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, these these big headed, small bodied um, yeah characters. You know what, I yeah, really what, like them. Yeah. I really like them. There's just something about all these little ones that there's just something about them. They they are just on the one hand, they look ridiculous because you know the 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 budget wasn't there to effectively pull this off. But they have an endearing charm to them as well. Yeah, they're they're trying, and that that goes a long way in my book. They've not just done a normal thing. I think the <coughs> certainly the 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 I was going to say the costume, but the body in this one. I mean, there's there's a couple of little things wrong with it, like the neck is too long sort of thing, but they film it from all the wrong angles. I imagine mm. from straight on, it probably looked amazing, and that is probably how it was built by the special effects guys. And then, of course, the director comes in and films it from a side view, and it's like, oh, you can see the guy sticking his head through a hole in some cardboard. Um, but the, the most overriding thing I got from it watching it this time, which I obviously wouldn't have had watching it originally, is I immediately thought of uh, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer's uh, Marvin Gaye <laughs> sketch where they're, they're sat on the, the, the dock of the bay. Yeah. It's the same style of bodies. In fact, I would have loved it if um, if uh, he, in this one he'd have had little arms like Kermit on sticks. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. That would have been excellent, wouldn't it? That would have been. Yeah. But yeah, this story I remember from my, my cassettes and I'd kind of like forgotten, you know, the effect of Samon. Yeah. And if you listen, if you when Samon's on later on talking to Blake, if you close your eyes, he's got a good voice. You know, he's quite chilling yeah. and, 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 and threatening. And um, the, the sound design in this one is excellent. I mean, mm. it's one thing that normally. Like, again, we sort of we seem to be down on the BBC and things like that, but but television programs at this point sound design wasn't a great feature so you listen to some of the Doctor Who's around this time and it's so flat it's mm. clump 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 say your line clump 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 off the screen and this one the sound design is brilliant the the the, the wood sound eerie the uh like you say the the decimas their their shrieking is just really off-putting <laughs> Our it's, cats freaked yeah. out when I put this yeah. <laughs> when I put this on, and later on, you know, when they they uh, do the couple of attacks, our cats were nicely asleep in yeah. the living room. <laughs> then like that's it. then that goes off, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, after we see Simon, we we next get an animated liberator moving yeah. very fast through space uh, with very sweeping music 
and this is the first time we really see the Liberator after all the establishing, you know, four episodes and that, and it's very much, I thought, you know, that, that image of it scudding and through space with a very brightly lit, you know, planets with yeah. far, far too many planets in the sky. This is 70s science fiction, you know, album covers. This is the sort of thing, you know, yeah. that Peter Elson and Chris Foss was doing on, on paperback covers, wasn't it? You know, this yeah, trippy... This is it. Bright, it's not realistic fun in science any fiction. Way, no, no. It sort of works. It. It has its detractors, but yeah. I, I don't mind the animation ones. I really don't mind them at all. I, I, I prefer the the model work, um, of the Liberator because it looks so good. But this is sort of, again, when when you watch when I, well, we watch them on VHS, this is when you see that. That's what you think of. That it's like, oh yeah. And it's mm. that's what you thought of as a kid. And as a kid, you don't care. No. It, that's how that's how space is, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I yeah, I don't mind it at all. I think it's Blake. Blake Seven had that charm, didn't it? That not everything is perfect on it. Now, I've, and it's like people always you, on the Facebook page, like people think, oh, wouldn't it be great if they redid the special effects in them? No, no, don't be no, doing they're that. Fine. Yeah, they're fine as. Maybe tweak the video effects to make them more like they were on film. If you're going to do yeah. anything, you know, season yeah, e three and season the... four. So I have nothing against like, and perhaps it's hypocritical because, on the one hand, I'm saying leave them as they are, but I'm not, I have nothing against like color correction and where they didn't have either the time or the money to mm. to make those little changes. And you know that they would if they could. But the the special effects and that, yeah, just they're all right. Leave them. It's a sign of the times. Yeah, I don't mind it when you see the Liberator, you know, changing course. And if you look at the bottom, you can clearly see the black yeah. pole that it's yeah. on because it, it, it moves in front of one of the lower weapons pods. But I don't mind it. I don't mind no, that I can I'd, see how they did it. Yeah, I'd much rather see a model being used in any way, shape or form than the best CGI. Yeah. Because, I don't know, there's something about it. It's in keeping with every... I mean, mm. if you're going to do that, if you're going to replace all the special effects in Blake 7, you've got to replace also some of the uh, incredibly dodgy outfits to kind of yeah. like match it, because otherwise you've got... It's like the, the Doctor Who story, uh, the invasion of the dinosaurs, you know. I'll yeah. put in, um, you know, Jurassic Park-style dinosaurs. Well, that will not fit with everything else that you see in that story. It, it would be too jarring. Yeah, it's and also it's... Part of its appeal for me, like early Doctor Who especially, part of its appeal is the fact that that's how it was. Mm. I, you know, I don't want to watch Doctor Who that's got absolutely perfect Marvel quality special effects. It, it takes something away from it. Yeah, they didn't have much money for the special effects. They didn't have much money for the, for the sets. They didn't have much money for the costumes. If you change any of those, it doesn't stand alongside the rest of it, does it? No. No, just this it's a product of its time, leave it alone. Yes, yes. All right. Well, we go inside and you were saying about the un uh, directions unusual in this episode. We get this very unusual high up looking down shot of the flight yeah, lo deck. Yeah, lovely, yeah. isn't it? It really yeah. shows it off. Yeah, it certainly does and, and and I'm sure the director had realized this and it's like can we get a bit of scaffolding here? I want the camera up oh, there looking down. I wonder if they they blew a lot of the budget on hiring a stepladder. And that just is like that's that's fourteen quid for a night for that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, 
But Jenna's there. She's she's all by herself yep. operating the controls, and she calls Blake to say that their speed is increasing. And here we have it. Oui. We, here we have here, here we have Blake. This is one for the ladies. One for the ladies. Unbutton Blake, and yes, mm. this is definitely a callback to something you said in one of our very yes, I, earliest episodes. I remember this. Oh God knows why this particular shot stuck in my mind because we were talking about. I didn't. I can't remember. Was it in Avalon? We were talking about like. Blake takes his top off a couple of times for the, you know, to even things out. And this <laughs> must have been one of them that stuck in. It's like so. The weird thing is, those those uh, cots they sleep on look really uncomfortable. So you you'd have trouble sleeping anyway. And he sleeps in his cardigan. Yes. But again, we we see he's off duty because he's undone his buttons. Yes. This is what you were saying in an early episode. When he's off duty, he unbuttons yeah. or unzips his top. And then when he goes into action, I can't remember what episode it was. It was one of the very yeah, first ones one we talked them. about. And there was a scene, in which I hadn't spotted, but you did, that he then zips up his top as he goes yeah. into, you know, action mode. Yeah, I'm, I'm all know? business now. Don't, don't yeah. be looking at my chest, ladies. I'm business. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I don't... I Yeah, again, budget's not much, so they've only got a couple of these incredibly uncomfortable-looking things. They're meant to be beds, but in the script, it does say that he's laying on his cot. Yeah, they okay. they look like... I, I, I suppose they're, they're trying to go for, like, the military cot look, but it just looks... I mean, I'd, I'd be sleeping on the floor. Just go and get some pillows or something. But you're in the Liberator. You can go anywhere in the galaxy yeah. you've got a a room full of all these costumes you've got a a strong room full of all these jewels and valuables you can't go to a planet and just get a bed because we see gan later on and he's doing exactly the same yeah. at least by a pillow he's got this like little bit of brown cloth that's meant to be his pillow you can't sleep on that the other thing they haven't grasped yet is how to turn the lights off either are they everyone whenever <laughs> you see anyone sleeping they're sleeping with all the lights on yeah, and yeah, you don't see him in his pajamas. You know, they, they, what no. you don't change out of your clothes for for, for yeah, when you sleep. At least, yeah, at least buy a dressing gown. I mean, yeah. Arthur Dent <laughs> had a dressing gown. Come on. <laughs> right. So yeah, he's told that their speeds increasing, and then we go to Callie. She's in one of those sub control rooms, and I like how they've put a hanging miniature in front of yeah. the camera to actually suggest that there is more than obviously what that set is which is like two walls isn't it and and that's yeah. brilliant yeah like you say this is early season one where they did have money to do think about why well, we want to make, make this bigger let's build a hanging miniature and put it in front of the camera to make this room look far far more vast and expansive yeah they're still they're still it's early enough that they're making the effort to to make the liberator look good to make it look mm. bigger than it is to, to flesh it out it gets rapidly where they go, okay, we've got a control room, that will do. So we get lots of lovely corridor running mm. in this one as well, don't we? And, you know, chasing through corridors and things like that. And it all, it just adds to the fact that this isn't just three rooms within spitting a distance of each other. Which they um, were. Which they were, yeah, of course. Yeah. But it, it like you say, even that long shot, uh, the, the high shot, just, it makes you go, ooh, mm. it looks good. Yeah. But Callie, she's planting a bomb amongst those uh, very 70s blue capacitors yes. and disco tube lighting. Yeah, again, an analogue ticky-ticky bomb. Ticky-ticky, yep, yep. Ticky-ticky, that's a good yeah, phrase for this. Yeah, ticky-ticky bomb. Why is it ticking? Why does it need to tick? Mm. It's analogue, isn't it? We know it's a kitchen timer in there. This was, oh, yes. um, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday when I was cutting the grass, weirdly. 
Um, and I was thinking, <laughs> did am I am I annoyed that this is sort of Callie's first adventure proper, and they immediately went into the, you know, the she gets possessed. Mm. So, or am I quite impressed with it that they did this on their first one? Because at this point, of course, we've we've got the knowledge of of all the other episodes with Callie. Yes. Whereas at the time you wouldn't have. So you could well have thought, oh my God, Blake's let a villain on. Mm. You, you're not thinking she's possessed. You're thinking she's evil. She's one of the bad guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought afterwards, I thought, yeah, that's actually quite clever. And it, again, this is where it's so difficult to, to view these as they're meant to be viewed mm. because we come with such baggage yeah, and also it. we're watching these out of order as well. Yeah, because isn't count. there in the episode before, I seem to because I haven't gone back to, you know, the episode before this yet, but isn't there mention doesn't Jenna distrust Callie and she's yes. kind of like against Callie yeah. becoming one of the crew? Je- Jenna makes I mean she's she's openly says, Is it a sensible thing? And then she also makes uh, sort of snidey comments uh, several times. And when you watch that I think it's Cygnus Alpha. When you watch it, is it no, it's not Cygnus Alpha. It's uh, Time Squad. Time Squad. Yeah. yeah. When you watch it and you think, oh, Jenna's a bit of a, uh, a cow in this one, because you're used to them not yeah. being like that. And then you, if you watch it in order, you watch that one and then this one, it's, you go, okay, yeah, she's got a point. Yeah. Blake's let this person on with no... No, they don't check her identity. There's it's no just on her word, isn't it? You know, yeah. everything that she said about, you know, in Time Squad about, you know, that she was the last of these, uh, you know, rebels and everything. That could have been complete BS. Yeah, that could have been a classic Travis yeah, scheme. Yeah, another Trav- Travis plant. Yeah. Yes, yeah. All right, well, Blake's buttoning up his top, as as we say, as he arrives on the flight deck. We didn't need to see that. You know? We didn't need to see we... that, no. Uh, no, no, and he and he finds the speed is increasing still, and that it, that it's been deliberately induced. Well, speed standard by three in building. How quickly? Well, if it continues like this, it'll be off the scale in about twelve minutes. Zen says the automatic repair service should have it under control by then, though. It seems to be a malfunction in the PN overrides. Zen estimated repair time. 11.302 minutes. Oh, that's cutting it a bit fine. Uh, what caused the malfunction? The malfunction was deliberately induced. Deliberately induced. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a strange... Uh, the way they word it, in it? Because they say, um, oh, that says about it's a malfunction or something. And then, oh, it's it's an induced malfunction. Well, is, is something that's deliberately induced can be classed as a malfunction? Hmm. Yeah, you know, for for Orak, he's usually pretty precise, and he in his word in. Yeah, but also it's like deliberately. Now there's only four others on board the ship. If it's been done deliberately, get those four people to the flight deck straight away, and then find out what's going on. Yeah, but again, they all just split up immediately, don't they? It's... Yeah, but before do, that, yeah, before I do, that, sorry, we I do got... like. Sorry, after Go you. No, I was just going to say, I I do like that um, that. The, the Blake when Blake calls down to Avon and there's he's got no absolutely no control has he over Avon at this point? No, no. it's wonderful. Yeah. 
But just before that, I was going to say Villa's walking down a corridor and he asks Callie what she thinks of his yeah. new outfit, which is quite a nice outfit. Um, and he gets clobbered, doesn't he? He's always the one that gets clobbered, though, isn't he? He's, yeah. Poor old Villa. Yeah. If in doubt, hit Villa. Yeah. You said in our last proper episode, uh, the Gunsar episode, that you know what Avon is wearing is your favourite Avon outfit. This one in yep. this episode is my favourite Avon right. outfit. I like I like this one. But yeah, yeah, Blake calls Avon and Avon's just like, well, I'm busy, you know. Yeah. Um, but he kind of orders him up to the flight deck. And um, and then Blake asks then what the cause of the malfunction is and gets told involvement is not permitted. Yeah, there's still, this because again, because it's early, they're still going along with the uh, Zen not quite the crew member, not quite trustworthy, not quite helping them. Mm. Um, I'm presuming you could, again, I think you, you said in one of the other ones when we mentioned this, that you could explain why it goes away is that Avon reprograms it. Yes. You know, he, he takes a hot soldering iron to the, to Zen's um, brain. Yeah. Well, I've been making a note of all these little instances as we go along because we are going to do a Zen special yeah. episode one day um and so we'll look at that more then is that confirmed <laughs> oh, hang on trying to desperately think of one uh, yeah. no i can't be bothered it's too hot today it's too hot to think it's yeah so if, hot today if, folks if we slow down through yeah. this you know if it goes silent we have both fallen asleep <laughs> It's, we shouldn't do be... this is a good episode this if the, if this was animals or something like that you know we could be just snoring now couldn't we yeah like most of the audience yeah yeah right but he he's working there and Callie sidles up to him and asks him which of the forward detector links and there's an awful lot of gazing into each other's eyes isn't there and 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 pregnant pauses and i like i love avon's Yes, to being told that she's interested in his work, he's a, he's kind of like taken aback, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's he's like the the comic book shop worker that has a a lady come into the shop and <laughs> expresses an interest in Captain America number one three four or something, and he's he's now thinking, hey. Yeah, I've I've had I've had experience of that when I've been you know um, in Games Workshop talking to the people in there, and then my wife would come in. Yeah. And it'll be oh, there's a female in here, and she's not somebody's mum, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I've I've been into Games Workshop because um, every now and again Anne likes to have a go at painting the miniatures and that, and she's pretty, you know, really good at it. Um, but when we go in there, we went in there into the one in, uh, the one in London, and um, they were sort of straight to me. Oh, did you do gaming? So I said no, it's my <laughs> wife, and it's like almost as if like such a thing has never been heard of. It throws them, doesn't it? it? Throws them. It throws them. Oh blimey! But right, okay. Avon goes up to the flight deck and she uses that saw device to sabotage the links. That like electric saw on the end of yeah. a stick thing, doesn't she? Yeah, and I think we see it a few times in different episodes, don't we? Over the years. I think that's the Shep scope. You know, we were talking about yeah, it could be yeah. That's, that's this it. Yeah, is the Shep scope. Shep scope. All right then. Um, on the flight deck, they're told by Zen that the forward detectors have stopped working, and that takes quite a while for Avon's, uh, you know, for the penny to drop, doesn't it? Yeah. Forward detectors are now dysfunctional. Navigation computers have switched to theoretical projection. Now we're blind as well. Callie, 
What? It's Callie. Come on, Gannon Villa. He's usually uh, better at self-preservation, isn't he? But I think, like, I think Callie's shown an interest to thrown him. Yeah. She's interested in me. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe we can, you know. Yeah, he's thinking. Drop what, off at a planet that? somewhere. Have yeah. a romantic what was that Zen meal. was saying? Forward, forward. What was oh, oh, yeah. What, but she's what? smiling. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, they So they have to run back to the teleport bay. Why are the forward detector links situated in the teleport bay? Because um, they've only got two sets. <laughs> yeah, and as they run, we've got more of that triangle pyramid running from Avon where he sticks his arms out at 45 yeah, degrees. Arm flap running, it's brilliant. I love that. I actually wrote that on my thing. Avon running. Yeah, <laughs> and I love Avon the thump, thump, thump. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of the times, you know, um, David Maloney has said on the audio commentaries that whenever anybody leaves the flight deck, that's when they had to, like, redub the sound because it... Yeah. You, it sounds what, like what it is. You're going up some wooden steps, and and yeah, here like you've got a thump, thump, thump as they're running along. Yeah. But we don't know that the exotic metal that the flight deck and that's made of doesn't have the same sound properties of old earth plywood. It just resonates at yeah. the same frequency. The same as frequency plywood could yeah. be. Yeah, space part. Uh, space plywood. plywood yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But they reach Callie, who has them at gunpoint, and she's got badly burnt hands. Quite good uh, makeup on those hands there. A lot of hand damage in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Did George the, Lucas the... direct it? What's going on? <laughs> the later one's not so good. This one's quite good. I, I quite fancied yeah. a barbecue. Um, Did you? Yeah. 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 And uh, so they go up to the flight deck and Jenna's um, So It Was You line. Which is, yeah. you know, it's just confirming her suspicions from the last she's episode. Been I guess. Yeah, she's been Yeah, she's, she's, she's dripping. Don't care with that it. they're going to die. She's just happy that she's right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can die knowing I was right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she's got them all at gunpoint, but Gan comes in. He stalks in stealthily. Uh, yeah, he, he quite gives her a whack, doesn't he? He does give a whack, yes. Um, we quickly go back to the planet, but when we come back up, um, Callie tries to break free and gets a slap from Jenna. And I like Jan Chappelle here. Uh, I think she's really good with that like blank look she had on her face and the telepathic, thank you, Jenna. Whoever you are, it's over. Thank you, Jenna. What was all that about? Better keep her sedated. Locked up or dumped. You should have never brought her on the ship. And where have you been hiding? All I said was, what do you think of the outfit? Repair monitors report explosive device attached to primary power channel. Where? Hold three, access duct seven. Well, can the automatics neutralize it? No. Why not? There is no damage. Computer logic. Until the bomb explodes, there's nothing for the repair system to repair. Zen, can you reprogram the automatics? Preemptive interference in crew activity is forbidden. Oh, he'll clear up after us, but he won't stop us making a mess. You made this mess. We're all in it, Avon. Yes, aren't we? As, as a watching his original time, I keep saying as a kid, I was about ten or so, something like that. Um, that's a kid. Yeah, that's a kid, isn't it? These days, you're I a kid that's... still. No, that's true. Yeah, I've never grown up. I, I still think when someone asked me to do something at work, I said, "I think can't you get an adult? Don't, yeah. don't tell me to do it." Um, I always, I, I always yeah. say that I'm growing old. I'm not growing up. That's the way yes. I look at it. Yeah. Growing old disgracefully. 
Yeah. Indeed. Well, look at yeah. us doing this podcast. Of course That's we are. True, yeah. <laughs> um, what, two, two, uh, two middle-aged white men complaining about things. I think that's fairly traditional. I don't, I can't, don't think we can be classed as rebels in that, oh, well, that okay. sense. But yeah, right. uh, going back to Callie, uh, I, never, I never really liked her character at the time, but certainly re-watching it now, but back in the VHS days watching it, um, I really came to appreciate her. I thought she was quite a strong character, really well acted. Mm. I think she does does a really good job. Whereas conversely, I think uh, Jenna gets worse and worse the more I watch it, the less I appreciate her acting. Yeah, and 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 yet the premise of her character was very very good. Yeah, it could have been, you know, uh, it's like almost a female Han Solo, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's what they should have gone with. And, yeah. and you know, I've just said on on Facebook, you know, if if Callie had remained that, you know, tough rebel, almost like a Sarah Connor type, yeah, that would have been very interesting. That would have been much more interesting. And she should have been the she should have been the one that continually questions Blake. I think very yeah. quickly they brought her in as a whatever Blake says. Yeah, let's go with it. And she shouldn't Which... be wearing blouses and frocks. You no. know. Absolutely not. Yeah, she should. In fact, she should. She should be almost sort of season three, four, Avon in character and look. But yeah. in season one, that would yeah. I think that would have been much better. And the actress might have stayed then, I suppose. I think both actresses, if they had actually, you know, uh, things have been handled a bit differently, and they weren't just either stuck up on the Liberator or needing to be rescued. Um, maybe they would have hung around for you yeah. know further seasons. You never know. But Avon and Jenna, they're very specific that she should never have been brought on board and she should be dumped. Avon quite specifically, she, or dumped, he goes like that. Yeah. Does he mean out the airlock or on a plane? I, you know, I, I, think I don't he does. know. I think he does. <laughs> I think he's a, yeah, he, he's a pragmatist, isn't he? You got a problem, get it off the ship. Off, yeah. And Zen has finally detected the bomb. Why now? That thing, as you say, has been going tick, tick, tick in that sub-control room for quite a while now, but only now does Zen actually realise it's there. Do th- yeah, do you think it's like, like at night, if you're, if you're trying to get to sleep and you hear a ticking, it, you, you start thinking, what's that? And you start looking at it and you eventually find like a watch in a drawer. So mm. I, I wonder if Zen was like that. He had like sent one of his snake robot arms and it was just looking in different covers where's this ticking coming from what's going and it's and a big ship it's taken it. a while yeah yeah could be could be but yeah he's he says that there's a bomb but the repair circuits can't do anything as there's nothing to repair yet you know yeah, computer logic yes and uh avon is really angry at this point he, he's saying about how this is all blake's mess how is this blake's mess because apart he from the Callie. fact that he brought Callie on board is that what he's think- saying yeah, I think that's exactly it. And the right. fact, I mean, I think there's probably some subtext of that the fact that they're not using the Liberator for Avon's purposes. So if they right. had it, then they wouldn't be in this mess anyway. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, so Blake's ahead of him. Blake goes down to the sub-control room. Avon comes in. And it's know-it-all Avon again. Because yeah. instantly, looking at it, he says, you've got three seconds after that light goes out. How does he know this? His forte yeah. are computers, not tick, tick, tick bombs. Yeah, again, would have been a nice bit for Jenna to do. Uh, I yeah. know these bombs. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Or Callie. Or Callie. Callie's back now, yeah. and you, yeah. she would have she had could, experience yeah. with bombs. She was a, a, a resistance fighter. Yeah, and she, I mean, she set it as well, so she, 
she could have said, <laughs> uh, "Be careful! I only get, you know, I only gave it X amount of seconds." Or, <laughs> but I, I really, really like Blake's helpless look to Avon when the light does go out. I mean, that's yeah. not a hero look. I mean, that that's what you and I would have, you yeah. know, if if our, you know, our car stalls or something like that, we would have a helpless look like that. Yeah, and, that's. Uh, that that's your stuck your set at traffic lights and you've been sort of revving to the car off sort of next to you and then as you go pull away you stall it, it stalls. Like, that's oh. the look you have on your face i yeah. love that look I, i'm going to put that on facebook because yeah. you know, that is a that, that that is one of my favorite blake looks ever this oh crap look you yeah. know <laughs> help me and avon does help him you know avon yeah. runs across um and grabs him pulls him out the way and says he's surprised as blake is that he saved him and, and Blake uh, does that lovely, yeah, I'm not. I love, it's so, again, we're, we're watching them out of order, but one of the benefits of that is you sometimes it, it's sort of the, the, the synchronicity of it, that these lines meet, start to mean more. And yes. We were discussing whether Blake trusted Avon. I think he does, doesn't he? He, he, he totally 100% trusts Avon to the, a stupid degree, I think. And he, mm. he you know, he was banking on us. Whereas I think Avon actually doesn't, he doesn't trust Blake. And I think he's probably annoyed at himself that he saved Blake. Yeah, but there's something, I'll I'll talk about it when we come to it, towards the end of this story, which is a nice touch, which shows there's a bit more going on as well. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, But right now, um, we see, we go back down to the planet, the two are, are... now up and they're walking around and we go back to the liberator and zen tells the crew that the star system they're in is uncharted but can't say anymore until the detectors are fixed um and that's when they start to slow down and they get the forward view screens working and they see that there's a mass of strands dragging across the hull our speed's dropping field drag Field strength's only 3.5. It must be something else. Limited range forward vision is available should you require it. Why couldn't you tell us that before? Put up forward vision. What is it? Meteorite dust. Strands like that? Look, there's more of it. It's rubbing across the hull. And it's getting thicker. It's like a spider's web. Some spider. That's what's pulling our speed down. Increased power to compensate. It's getting worse all the time. We've lost a planet there. We should be close enough to get signals now. Phil, go and see our carriers, please. Must I? It's not catching. It brought my head out in lumps. Get a move on. All right, I'm going. Jen, is it Jenna says uh, meteorite dust? And I yeah. Thought, what 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 <laughs> and she's the smuggler she's the pilot yeah yeah, yeah. and uh yeah like a web they say oh it looks like a web and yeah. uh Total and, drop. yeah 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 villa says oh some web and i think we've got early version villa here because when blake says to villa you know go off um Villa replied, he snaps back at him. He goes, all right, I'm going, he says as yeah. he leaves. That, that Later, Villa would not talk back to Blake like that, I don't think. No, he'd talk back to Avon and, and Tarrant and things like that. But yeah, I think he start, he, he sort of idolises Blake or mm. there's something going on, isn't there, that he, 
Yeah, he wouldn't talk back to Blake. He wouldn't be snappy. Not later on, but here, no. fifth, fifth ever episode, we've got the yep. we've got the villa that we see in you know uh, the second episode. Who was actually we've talked about this before. You know, he he is more like a hardened criminal. You know, yeah. The comedy elements aren't there, and he's more like you know one of um, one of Fagin's crew or something like that. You know. Yeah, you you. With later Villa, you don't get the feeling that he would survive on sort of the mean streets of wherever he grew up. But early mm. Villa, yeah, you do. You think this, you know, he's tough, isn't he? He's not. Yeah, he is tough. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, he he's yeah yeah he's a bit jokey, but yeah um, yeah you wouldn't want to get into a mess with him. No, you got the feeling that he would uh, he would do the old. If you got into a fight with him, he would do the old look over there and then stab you in the back as you turn around. To well, season two, and, he, yeah. he was suggesting dumping Avon out the airlock, wasn't he? Because yeah. Avon might, you know, dump them out the airlock. So let's get yeah, in get there rid, first. Get rid of them first. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, on the teleport bay, Avon and Gan are there, and Avon's fixing things, and we get that really, really, I thought, rather rude. You know, it's slow. You should appreciate that problem. That he says to yeah. Gang. Nothing wrong with that. What are you trying to do? Bypass the detector comp and use another of the systems to receive the signal. Can be done? Of course. It's just a matter of finding the link. Some of this technology is a little more advanced to that which I'm used. I'm having to guess at some of it. What about the uh, automatic repair system? Oh, it'll do the job. Eventually. It's very methodical. It starts at the beginning and it works its way through. It's slow. You should appreciate that problem. No, that wasn't the one. It'll take days to repair that. On any ordinary computer system, but this isn't any ordinary computer system. A malfunction of that size will have registered on the auto repair. It should cut in in about five seconds. Watch. It'll be cutting in about... now. it is we could make a fortune with it if it wasn't for blake In what way there's always a market for technology like this i don't think blake would agree to that there will come a time when he won't be making the decisions yeah he's um he is rude to gan isn't he he's horrible. but gan doesn't say anything back you know that's because uh, Gan thought of a really witty comeback but two hours later <laughs> ironically he is slow um Avon demonstrates the auto repair, and I like, you know, the Gan's delivery of that is fantastic. And um, yeah. Avon's genuinely pleased in the background. You know, he's got a big smile on his face. And, it, again, uh, we're, Avon's a fanboy, isn't he? So we're it's the equivalent of like if you and me show someone, I don't know, uh, a model of an eagle or you know, mm. a Blake Seven figure we've done. And they make they go oh that's impressive yeah you you you're, you've made it haven't you in in the I, real world of course it's not worth anything but I had it last weekend I was at um, you know the Star Wars weekend at at the National Space Centre in Leicester and displaying oh, right. all my models and stuff and people yeah. were coming along and it's like oh that's really good how did you do that and you know I had a ball explaining how I did things yeah. and yes I had a very Avon like smile on my face yeah. while I was doing so a little bit of yeah. smugness. We yeah, a bit of smugness. Yes, I spent I like the whole when, weekend smug. Yeah, I like it when people say, oh, that's good. What is it? Get out. 
Yes, yes. Um, but also we get here, you know, we get another bit of this um, underlying thing that Avon, you know, uh, just wants sh shot of Blake and, you, you, you know, yeah. make money for himself. Because he's saying that, you know, they can make a fortune, you know, selling all this technology. And Gan says, well, Blake won't agree with that. And he's like, there's going to come a time when... Blake's not going to be making all the decisions or Blake's not around anymore. That's a nice bit of foreshadowing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting as well that at this point, I mean, like you said, most season, almost all of season one, it's still a political world, uh, universe. Mm. I say world. I, I mean, whenever I say world, I mean the universe. It's a political environment they're in that they could still buy their way yes. out of it. Whereas, and sell it to the Federation yeah. and have no qualms yeah. about it. Yeah like season two onwards it it becomes very black and white good guys bad guys yes sort of very thing. star wars isn't it yes yeah which mm. i mean it, it reminds me of um i know a lot of people a lot of star wars fans don't like the the last film but the benicio del toro character where he brings up and he says uh let's see oh they sold to the empire oh they also sold to the yeah. rebels yeah. and that i love that that's brilliant and that's the exactly grayness what of it yes spades yeah yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Cal is back to normal, and we see the Liberator getting more and more entangled in the web. There's the name again. And then, I love this bit, we get the possessed Jenna. We have waited for your coming for many years. Welcome. It pleases us that you are here. Who are you? We will meet shortly, and then we shall answer all your questions. For now, it is only important that you understand the danger of your situation. Danger? Your ship is trapped. You cannot free yourselves. We can free ourselves at any time we wish. You underestimate the power of our ship. On the contrary, you overestimate it. We have examined your ship most carefully through our daughter, Calais. You would require to sustain your maximum power for 160 hours to break out of orbit. Your energy cells would be exhausted in less than 100. Gravitational attraction would draw you back to your present position before your cells could be recharged. If we are trapped, then by whom? We do have some influence on your safety in that it is within our power to release you from the web. That we can and will do in return for assistance from you. What do you want from us? In a few moments, we will transmit a homing signal. It will give you a precise landing position. We will talk again when you have landed. Listen. Left Blake. That could have been one of the lost. Would that be mystical, Callie? Explain. It is the legend of my people. They were cast out, unfit to share the soul of Aranar. I was watching it, and I actually wrote down on my um, my uh, notes. Jenna looks bored, and then I realised she's meant to be possessed. No, I don't I mind her. I don't mind this bit at all. There's, yeah. I mean, again, you were saying about direction. We've got this creepy voice. You've got yeah. creepy music. And her face, 
The way she's looking, she didn't look bored to me. She she looked creepy. The way her eyes are looking straight down like that. Yeah, it's um, it's quite nice. It works with the voice, I think. Although, I'm, yeah. I, again, I, I part of me is thinking, how is she doing that voice? Mm. It, it would be nice, wouldn't it? We was we were bemoaning the fact on the Gunsar episode that you know there's just no uh, behind the scenes footage or, yeah. or or whatever to actually have had the raw recording of this before they dubbed on Samon's voice. Yeah, to just see what that was like. Yeah, I bet she was doing a creepy voice <laughs> to match the face. And everybody else, you can't see them, but they're all rolling on, on the yeah, floor laughing. They're all laughing. Yeah. <laughs> But the voice calls Callie our daughter and goes on to say that they will be released from the web if they help them out. And then all of a sudden, Jenna's back to normal and Callie says that the voice could have been one of the lost. Yeah. And then, and then she just says that they're outcasts. So there's no more explanation. It's not like um, when we have Dawn of the Gods and, you know, the Legend of the Tharn where she goes into a five-minute monologue explaining yeah. it. Here, it's just like two lines. You know, it could have been one of the lost outcast and that's it that's all you need though isn't it? I don't, yeah you you can see how they could have had like a scene of exposition what do you mean Callie well the lost it's a, and yeah go into explaining it all and you no, don't really need it it's, you don't I mean, and, it's, and it's that's nice good. and mysterious that's good yeah uh, they try to reverse out that doesn't work so they try to blast their way out and here we get our first <laughs> ever mention of the neutron blasters yeah and and Villa's so happy to use it and he's been looking I'm forward s- to this I had completely forgotten this that Villa is the first that we know that on screen is the first person ever to fire the neutron blasters it's helped a bit we're not standing by one and one half and building but slowly Bella? Yes? It's time to use the neutron blasters. At last. I've been looking forward to this. It would take it easy. It might blow us all up. Right, see if you can blast a hole through that web. Fire! Neutron flare shield has not been activated. Which one's that? Activate the neutron flare shield! Confirmed. Blasters are cleared for firing. Well, in, in the very, very loose uh, setup of who does what. Villa was the sort of weapons. He was, wasn't he? Wasn't I'd he? forgotten he about sat that. At the weapons station. So in a couple of them, he's the one that I think one of them where he's where he's draining. He said, "Oh, we're draining the the weapons that." And in uh, Redemption, he's the mm. one that. So yeah, but I think it's just so quickly given up on this idea that each each crew member brings something new to At their the, own task. Yeah. yeah um, and suddenly everyone can pilot and everyone can, you know, fire the guns and everyone can navigate. And I wonder what Gan's speciality was. I do not. We'll talk, talk about that Gan. when we do the Gan. Yeah. We'll talk about that on the Gan episode. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is, the, as I say, it's the first mention of the neutron blast. It's the first mention of the uh, radiation, because it's Terry Nation, yeah. uh, flare shields. Um, but they all seem to know what they are. Now, have they fired them before, do you think, in an unseen adventure? Have they been, you know, found a, like an asteroid field and used it as a firing range or something like that? They've got to have done that to actually work well, yeah. out, you know, the capabilities of the ship and how the ship works. Well, they must have done this with all the equipment, must they? Because, yes. like I say, very, very quickly, Avon knows everything about everything on the Liberator. As yeah. if he like so there must be other yeah. stories and and tales that we never yeah. saw between you know the end of you know uh episode four and episode five yeah 
Or there's a Haynes Liberator manual kicking about somewhere. <laughs> I just look at it. Let's do chapter one, the drive shaft. Yeah. 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 But the whole fire fills up immediately um, and they're kind of like stuck. So Blake says to allow the ship to drift to wherever it's being pulled to. And and that's when we get our first look at actual aliens of the series. Um, the yeah. uh, Decimers. Yeah, the, Who, uh, the the creepy, leafy, Zygon dwarfs. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't got leafy. I've got seaweed. Yeah, seaweed, yeah. It's like a seaweed they look, they, Zygon. Yeah. They look really Mixed good, with an actually. Ewok. I mean, the yeah. fact that it's a forest setting, I mean, this is years before Return of the Jedi, but their height in the forest, the way they walk, that screams Ewok to me, mixed with Zygon, mixed with seaweed. Yeah. If Chewbacca and a Zygon ever got it on, <laughs> their kid would look a bit like this, wouldn't it? If you say so. <laughs> but I, I, I like the design. Um, I like the way it's put together. I've got a little bit of information on that in behind the scenes. Okay. And um, I like the colour scheme. And I especially like the red eyelids. That wasn't necessary. But to have this bright red um, yeah. eyelids really makes their eyes stand out. Yeah. Or that wasn't planned. And that's the liquid latex they glued around the eyes with. Because that does <laughs> cause it to sting. Or it's like, you know, some sort of like Evo stick and the fumes giving off are just like, you know, yep. <laughs> making their right. eyeballs melt. I uh, I presume it's children in the, the suits because... No, it's little people. Them. Was it? Actually, I, I thought yeah. they looked more like the movement of children. But, no, mm, no. A lot of them... You know, a lot of... Again, we'll be talking about this uh, on Behind the Scenes, but a lot of them are... Um, uh, ex, uh, uh, ex Ewoks, uh, no future Ewoks. They might well have been. Um, yeah. No, they they, they were ex uh, circus performers. All right. You know, I guess clowns and stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So um, yeah, Blake's ready to go down, and here we have our first ever look at the Anorak. I call them Anoraks. I don't yeah. know if they that they're officially called tunics or a wave. I think. Tops I think or... we'll call them what they are: space Anoraks. Space Anoraks, that's what they should yep. be called, yes. Um, the type that you very kindly just made me one of. Yeah, um, this is, I, this, is my, this, this is what I, when I think of season one, Blake seven, this is the, the outfit I think of. Even though they don't wear them that often, but they wear them a lot in the episodes that I continually watch over and over again. Yeah. So perhaps that's it. But yeah, I think they, again, because I was thinking, so presumably they've, they've gone, they've thought we're going to land on a planet and they've gone and found a room full of these. Hmm. And they rapidly become their, certainly for season one there, if they're going on a, a, a you know, a, an away mission, they put these on. Except Avon. I think it's the only time we see Avon on one, isn't it, in yes. this episode? Yeah. Now, I don't know whether that was because Paul Darrow hated it or whether they thought Avon's a rebel, so he hmm. wouldn't wear it. And, and he doesn't look right in it. I must admit, I he wasn't. He doesn't. It. We're so used to him in rather more... Yeah, All right. Outlandish, out, yeah, flamboyant. That's yeah. a better word. Yes, yeah. outfits. Yeah, this is especially his color scheme. Uh, yeah, well, I made because they made, are color coded, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they're color coded. So, so um, I made uh, the first the first space anorak I made. I made in Avon's colors. Right. But I sort of when I came to do this other one, I'm doing yours. I thought I'm going to do it in Blake's because we never see Avon in it. I remember he was in Only one episode. Here. It's this, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, and they were created by Barbara Lane, who who was the costume designer at the time, and um, she was also costume designer on Doctor Who's The Hand of Fear, 
and she went on to Hollywood and was costume designer on Willow. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yes. Callie's got hers with her as well, but Blake doesn't allow it. He doesn't allow her to go down with him and telling Gan right in front of her to watch her. And I quite like Jane Chappelle's, oh, well, look as she leaves. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not stiff acting or anything like that. That is quite a... a a human natural response, you know, oh, well, yeah, I, I tried, and nice, there's a little smirk, yeah. and she goes away. And That's she, nice acting. Yeah, and she's a pragmatist enough, the character, that there's no point arguing this. Yeah, she knows his mind's yeah. made yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. um, yeah. one thing on the anoraks as well, because you said Callie's got hers now. So there's there's an anorak for each person, and they fit really well, like even mm. Gans, obviously, which is XXXL. Um, do you think there was, like, hundreds and hundreds of these? And where did they get them from? Because we never see anyone in the system wearing it. Well, again, saved mm. for <laughs> the Zen and Liberator episode, okay? Right. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Well, Blake, he teleports down amongst those big balloons and the web. Um, now, are we supposed to assume, right, we've got web on the planet and they're stuck in the web in space, and later on we find out that it's an experiment that went wrong. Is that web supposed to extend from the surface of the planet through the atmosphere, through the stratosphere, and up into space like that? Um, I don't know. Perhaps. I, I, I didn't really consider that. Because certainly in some of the shots you can see in the distance, and not everything's covered in the web, in the woods. Um, so perhaps that is. Perhaps that's the start of, this, of the web going up into space. Yeah. Am I right in thinking? I think I am. We never see a shot of the planet. You see the web, no. and then you see the planet. Yeah, you never see it, so you don't see a, a little web funnel <laughs> coming up from the, the Maybe surface. there was meant to be, and then they tried it, yeah. and it's like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> Let's get the editing out. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, but he gets a spear chucked at him from the decimers um, that cuts his hand. And uh, he runs to the base, pursued by Deep Roy. That's Deep Roy as the yeah, uh, as idea. the lead decimer, who implores him to help us, help us, please, in a very uh, high-pitched, Smurf-like voice. Yes. It is quite moving, though. It is, because, yeah, he, he does that. He, he's imploring, uh, but then he's promptly ex electrocuted by the male from yeah. inside. Side. the more of them in the compound yeah it's again it, again really nicely it does it does make you think because you immediately you side with the decimals don't you which is yeah even though they've just chucked of, a spear yeah. at our hero yes. yeah uh, well it's the jam spear isn't it so all they were doing was trying to give him his jam portion <laughs> that and doesn't correspond with the close-up that we're going to have in a minute <laughs> no, does it with, in no the, way uh, the joke shop latex cut that's stuck on his hand later on i think hmm. perhaps blake's been picking at it he's one of these people who picks at the wind and it so, will never heal maybe. no no but it's very clever that so they, they've gone with the shot of the the red you know, very tear-filled eyes, the, mm. the high-pitched voice, the small stature, big eyes. They do a little bit fetusy. Mm. So it's it again very very clever design to make us side with the decimals, yes, as opposed to the uh, space Nazis. The space Nazi. Well, that is that. That's our male space Nazi. Yeah. His name's Navara, 
who was uh, played by Miles Fothergill. He's very good. Very good. He's very good. And he's a handsome chap. And I always, always think of him. I, I always think of him as one of the McCann boys. He's like a yes. beautiful Paul yeah. McCann. M- McGann, isn't he? Yeah. You saying that Paul McGann isn't beautiful? Um, more beautiful than yeah. he's Paul. He's yeah. a Paul McGann that grew up on a nice estate. <laughs> yeah. A rough estate. That's what we were saying. Yeah, he was put into foster care at, uh, yeah. at an early age, yes. And he's really good, and he's he got is. a very re- recognisable voice. And, yes, of course, yeah, he's the robot SV7 in Robots of Death. And when he's talking, you close your eyes. That's SV7 talking, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. Love, love, really good voice. He could do some uh, talking books. I'd listen to him. Yeah, but, but I tell you what, with his looks, I'm surprised he didn't become, you know, a really big star, but... In total, the, he's only acted in four things. That's including genre. Only four things he's ever, ever acted in. And one of them was Blake Seven, one of them was Doctor Who, and then there were two others, and that was it. He gave up acting. Well, I don't know. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Cause we're, but we, we class success as he gets to appear in a Hollywood film or something, but a lot of actors don't, do they? It's like you've no, got stage that success. True. And... That there is true. Yeah. I, I mean, th- this episode's not on him, so I haven't pursued that. But, yeah, uh, yeah you could very well be right um but he introduces blake to his sister gila um who, who treats his not very convincing wound this wound has now turned into like Festive, a lump of yeah. plasticine um on, on on his hand there like that and she treats it with a piece of that's either a piece of raw liver or i'm thinking maybe one of the andromedans from star one because yeah. it looks an awful lot like one of them well, perhaps it could be we don't know. I think they had leftover yeah. bits, and that's what became the Andromedans. Andromedans, in Star li- Andromedans live off strawberry jam, so they're very <laughs> handy for licking the strawberry jam off people's hands when the uh, decimas attack them with the uh, jam spear. Yes, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, sorted. Uh, that is astonishing, goes Blake when he's healed. And when he looks up like that, I always think he's almost breaking the fourth wall because he doesn't he looks sort of towards where the camera crew is did you notice that he, he, instead of lo- looking to one of the others he looks off camera and it looks almost like he's looking towards us do you, do you think then that, that wasn't a scripted line he was he was saying that to the director meaning that's astonishing as in that's terrible <laughs> so you just put a, <laughs> just put a bit of liver you put on some plasticine on my hand and yeah. a bit of liver <laughs> It could yeah, be the, the the beginning part of that line where he says, uh, "In this day and age, we've just had Star Wars, and you're putting this on my hand. That's astonishing." And <laughs> with they did, they went, "Oh, we can and use they the last." Edited bit. it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> could be. Yeah, the two say that the decimas are a threat and must be suppressed, and that they deal with tissue creation among other things. That's all we learn right at the yeah. now, and. I like the fact that in this exchange that's going to go on between Blake and these two, Blake's a very good negotiator. You can totally buy here that he could be somebody who could coerce somebody round to his way of thinking rather than there, there being physical aggressive acts that he could go yeah, to could... a place, much like Project Avalon with Avalon, and actually, you know, lead through talk rather than physical actions. Yeah, you because in Volcano when Travis, uh, Travis when Tarrant makes a complete hash <laughs> of the negotiations because they won't agree with him immediately, so he stomps a bit and starts threatening them. And I said at the time Blake wouldn't do that, and you can compare no. it to this. Yeah, yeah, Blake, you you can 
you can see why people would follow Blake. You yeah. can't see why anyone would follow really no. Avon or Tarrant. Well, look, look. I mean, we've just been talking about Tarrant in in you know the Howard episode, and and look at the difference between here. Blake sits down, you know, he's calm. He wants information. Yeah. He speaks. You know, he, he gives him time to speak. He answers. You know, that is the correct way of doing things. Yeah. You know, you show show an interest. Yeah. Make Tarrant's just. Uh, you're going to do this then? No? Right, I'm going to threaten you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bully boy. Um, but he finds that, yeah, the web is an experiment that got out of hand, and they're, they're, they've got a fungicide projected by a beam. I mean, this is yeah. Terry Nation, so, yeah, yeah, you can have a fungicide projected by you, a beam. What, what, is that radio Nation waves? Is, well, do you think Terry Nation used to run around his garden at night with a torch, and his wife would go, Terry, Terry, come in, what are you doing? I'm getting rid of all the fungus. <laughs> and he was just shining his torch on him. Yeah. he was just mad. Oh, dear, oh, dear. But uh, they don't have enough power to fire the beam because they're flutonic. And um, it's a Terry Nation script so i'm surprised it's not you know space yeah. power cells are almost exhausted and when they go so does their life support okay do you, do you think these um these uh, power cells contain crystals i bet they I've do got, i've got my yeah dilithium crystals perhaps but i've got my suspicion that it's bloody crystals again yeah <laughs> and it's at this point that the decimas attack and when they attack like this Blake says something that I've never got what he says, all right, through, and I used to listen to this episode an awful lot, and he says something, as soon as they start banging on those very, very flimsy plastic windows, um, he says something. Do you know what he actually says? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, presumably on your DVD you could put the subtitles. That's what I did, right? All right, because I, thought... I, I could do it on mine, but it would say, <laughs> Oh, yeah, you've got the Dutch version. I've got the you? Dutch yes. version. Yeah. Right. Um, no, uh, would you hazard a guess to what he, he says? It's one word, and I'm astonished by the word that he says. I did put is the it... subtitles on. Uh, is it bugger or crakey? No. Oh, crakey. It's dwarves. Dwarves? Oh, yes. Blake, you... Yes. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, He's just people. encountered this alien species outside, one of which implored him to, uh, you know, <laughs> save yeah. them, who then gets electrocuted in front of him. And when they come, when he sees them again, dwarves, goes Blake. What? <laughs> yeah. All, I mean, that's, that's wrong on so many levels, isn't it? That for, for all he knows, they might be strapping in their own. They might yes. be, they're not, you know. Uh, he's seen them before, so why is it a shark? What he should be saying is, uh, that little person's got a cardboard axe. Yeah. It's just but... outlandish. What a bizarre thing to say. And as I say, I used to listen to this cassette over and over, and my I mind never attempted to, to fit dwarves in that because it's just so <laughs> unfitting. I, I My mind would never have gone, oh, he's saying dwarves, obviously. No, <laughs> you don't say dwarves in a situation like this. Dwarves. Yeah, it doesn't quite work. It doesn't what quite work. It doesn't work at yeah. all. Dwarves. Dwarves. He could have said goblins. It would be just as bad. Space goblins. Space goblins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, space dwarves. He could have said red dwarves. They've got red yeah. eyes. Oh, yeah. well, that's true, yeah. yeah. There you go. Perhaps a, a young um, writer was watching it and yeah. got yeah. the idea. Red, red dwarves. dwarves. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we see that the attack was a diversion to enable some of them to take away their electrocuted brother. 
and we yeah. get a far too long shot of one crying there. It's like, yeah, I get it. The, 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 these creatures have empathy. They have feelings. Yes, these are the hard done by ones. You don't that's, have to linger like that the, long. That is like the. It reminded me of the scene in Return of the Jedi where you get the. the oh, the one blows Ewok. up. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other Ewok's trying to pull it and then gets a bit tearful. Can I go um, off on a tangent here? Yeah. That scene where one blows up, okay, and um, the other one like kneels down and realizes he's dead, and then cries and sobs yeah. and puts his head on his chest. Dave on Star Wars in character, when they were talking about that scene, when he was eight, uh, uh, younger, he must have been about eight. He thought that Ewok was actually eating the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and now every time I watch that, it's like, yeah, if I was eight, I might think he was eating that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were going to eat uh, a Luke and that, weren't they? So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, up on the Liberator, they've got full function now, and the detectors show that pursuit ships are on their way. There's a ton of pursuit. Either Terry Nation's you know, galaxy is incredibly small, or there are many, many pursuit ships, because they seem to always encounter pursuit ships in this Just when uh, the plot needs area. it, yeah. Just when it needs it, yes. Yeah, I think Terry Nation's idea, he, he, everything he does, and he did the same with Doctor Who and that, he thinks of it's the solar system. Yeah, everything's close by. Yeah. After after that, he's got no concept of time, no, distance, no. anything. Yeah. Blake finds out the genetic engineering they were doing was to find a way to halt the aging process in humans. Yeah. To which I think humans don't they mean don't they mean aurons? Aurons aren't humans, are they? Well. Again, we've we've sort of said this before that are there any aliens? Because at one point Villa says everyone, every came from Earth, yeah, came from Earth. So I I think we're we're led meant to believe that the Aurons are originally from Earth and they're just an offshoot that you know learnt telepathy. See, we're going to do a special episode on aliens in Blake Seven, but might as well mention here if that is the case, and every alien race we ever see was descended from humans, that pushes the setting of Blake Seven's world way, way further forward. In that you would be able to have human settlers on the planet Auron that then genetically would develop telepathic powers. That that that's not one or two hundred years that's one or two thousand years isn't it to actually have you know genetic evolution like that well i mean we we don't know we're ba we're basing that on what we know now as far as genetics etc but maybe on on this planet Auron there was a giant crystal that actually yep. a space crystal that altered because again um uncle terry not great at uh at how evolution works is he mm. when when he like with mutants and things like that he's very much a 1950s idea um but i yeah i i think my own viewpoint on it is that that villa is correct that everyone is descended from people on earth in this obviously not the andromedans because they're they're sort of the only ones we see that are totally proper not alien yeah they're, yeah know, they're liver people um, whereas everyone else explains why they all look like uh, BBC extras. 
Mm. That, that no, that's a very good point. I mean, we're we're talking about something we should be talking on the special episode. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The Andromedans are the only true true alien yeah. ones, and that would make sense because here we are on planet Earth. If you look at all the living species on the planet Earth, look at a jellyfish. A jellyfish is alive on this planet with us right now. Don't look anything like us, you know. No. No, the chances of um, anything. I was going into War of the Worlds then. You know, as soon as you hear but that phrase... Coming you, from Mars. Yeah. <laughs> was it yeah, you, to As one? soon as you hear that, isn't that weird? Um, no, but the chances of anything developing... Coming from Mars. Coming from Mars is a million to one, he said. He said. Um, <laughs> developing like we are it is infinitesimally small, isn't it? Yeah. So it's what, it's what I love when you see, like, Roger Corman films, like uh, the Zontar and that, where you see the triangular carrot creature people go oh that's not realistic we don't know we don't know that could that could be an exact representation of an alien life form what's not realistic is when you meet an alien and he looks like uh uh Klaatu. yes you know that's the unrealistic part yeah well. <laughs> all right well they also say that they've created a new form of life for menial tasks and it's a banned process so that's why they're doing it in secret on that planet and Blake takes great umbrage at the notion of being wiped out as they are living creatures, which is a very Blake stance to take, isn't it? You made the decimals. The prototypes. They breed naturally, but a mutant strain has become dominant. They seem capable of thought. They exhibit primitive emotions, weaknesses we thought we had eradicated. They will all have to be eliminated so that we can be certain the mutant strain is destroyed. They're intelligent living creatures. You can't just wipe them out. We gave them life. We have the right to take it from them. Please don't concern yourself. They are simply laboratory constructed animals, as are we. You. You are made. We were genetically engineered. Allowed to grow to maturity. Then our aging processes were stopped. We have no lives of our own. We are simply flesh and blood creatures operated by our creators. <laughs> you seem confused, my friend. We had intended not to meet with you. However, you will be leaving us shortly. No harm can come from your notes. Gila will bring you. He's very much for the underdog, isn't he? I mean, yes. again, whenever in science fiction they they develop and spend all this time and effort developing a slave race, it's much easier just to make slaves of your fellow humans mm, mm. throughout history. That you know, it don't they learn? It never rings true. This, yeah, yeah. Just what you got to do: find find someone that's got a slight difference. Yeah, perhaps ginger hair. Uh, you build up <laughs> them as the inferior beings. Malpatbondis. There you go. Yeah, anything like that. Freckles. You know, you just got to find some something that you haven't got. Yes. You know, because you obviously don't want to be lumped in with them. Uh, and that's that's how it's happened throughout history, and that's what would happen. And when they spend like so much time trying to develop a uh, a species to act as slaves, because the trouble is, the minute you do, someone like Picard from Next Gen will come along and show that they've got rights, and it's yeah. like, oh. I've just spent ages <laughs> developing them to clean me toilet. Ooh. Yeah, what would he have made of all this? Yes. If, if yeah, if his uh, enterprise yeah. had got caught in that, yes. 
Yeah, he, he, All right. he would have managed to rescue the decimus, wouldn't he? He would have, he would have. All right, well, we also learned that the two of them there, they were that they were made um, flesh and blood creatures operated by their creators, and we get much cackling at this from the now-possessed Gila, and Blake yeah. is taken through to Samon, who's in a small round tank of water, sat on the floor, yeah, Bub- that got me that he's on the floor. It All he can see is people's uh, ankles. Yeah. Now, I thought there's two reasons why that tank is on the floor. One is so the Decimus can get at it easily later. All right. Yeah. yeah. Or that, you're probably all, that's it. Yep. No, I think it's also the other. With with all that water, it would have been very heavy, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. I suppose, yeah. But, yeah, but but it's the bubbles that do it for me. It's the bubbles bubbling away noisily. It's like when you go into the aquarium section in a garden centre or a pet shop. They're bubbling just like that, aren't they? They they, they didn't yeah, do yeah. anything with the uh, with the original recording to get rid of the bubbles. Yeah, you have to wonder why uh, you know. I presumably needs aerated water or something. I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, ah, ah, I've got something in behind the scenes about this. All right. right. Okay. But I'm guessing, looking at it, it's some sort of, like, hemisphere tank or something with the foam backing piece behind it. So you're filming through water. It's just like what, you know, Derek Meddings did in Stingray and and Thunderbirds. Yeah, yeah, you put a tank in front of the camera and have something behind it with bubbles going up. Luckily, there's no little goldfish or anything going past on in this one. That would have been so funny. It would have been nice. Yeah. yeah, we need we need Mark Hevingham to put some uh, some yeah, fish some on fish. that shot now, haven't we? Come and on, Mark. A, yeah, and one of those little treasure chests that you always get in fish tanks, <laughs> or a skull that opens and closes yeah. and lets the bubbles out, and and yeah, yeah, little pebbles on the bottom that aren't anyway natural. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, um, I'm guessing it was custom made. All right, this tank. Okay. And therefore very expensive. But as you were saying earlier, this is early in the first season. So they had a bit of money to do that. And I'm thinking the actor must have practically been laying down uh, on the floor with his head pushed through that hole. Don't you think? Yeah, I reckon so. Because, they, I mean, they, they have got facilities at the BBC for doing, you know, uh, two-floored sets. And they've also got ones with, like, pits in the floor so he could be that he's oh it could be that they've built that and the reason it's on the floor is because he's he's just knelt down in a pit oh uh, i didn't even think about that I, ju- I just had him uncomfortably laying on his front yeah. with his head through this bit of foam whichever way it's not going to be the most glamorous or nice sort of acting job is it i don't think no but you say glamorous and not nice his his little shrunken body right that's no. stuck at the bottom i would have loved that i wonder what happened to it. do you think they threw it away I thought you meant you would have loved a body like that. <laughs> yeah, I no, can no, make I don't your want dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, did they just chuck that away at the end of the day? So. Was it destroyed when the Desmas, like, you know, smash it up later? I don't know. but I, I would imagine it would have gone into storage because the BBC generally at that point kept everything, but only for a short time because storage costs money. Yeah. So they yeah. would keep stuff for like a year to see if they would use it in something else. Uh, and then got rid of, a bit like their costumes, weren't it? They they would keep costumes for a certain amount of time, and then periodically they would uh, have a clear out or yeah. 
But so, it's, it's very weird. I mean, we were talking when we were talking on the, the cancer episode and stuff like that, you know, that and Gunsar, that, you know, the uh, the extras costumes and that are obviously just being pilched from the uh, the stock wardrobe departments of the BBC. But you don't see, uh, like, uh, cross-fertilisation between, you know, Blake Seven and Doctor Who. You never really saw props appear in Blake Seven that would then be reused later on in Doctor Who or vice versa, did you? You you saw costumes, didn't you? So some. some oh, you Blake had the helmets, seven... didn't you? Yeah. So you had the the Blake Seven helmets, the Federation Guard helmets appeared in front of us. Um, some some of the Blake Seven costumes, I think, appear as in Destiny of the Daleks as the like the prison gang oh, right. that's working in the mine. Some of the costumes there, and a lot of BBC. So I think there was a lot of times. I know there's a lot of costumes where they were altered quite a lot. Right. Right. And then there was sort of cross. Not as much as you would think, but then I suppose they they must have known that the audience was probably going to be the same for both. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, Blake, he's introduced to Samon, who apologises as he's not used his lips to speak in a long time. <laughs> you must excuse me. I have not spoken with these lips in a long time. My name is Samon. That is the name by which this body was once known. I am a corporate identity. We exist through this body. We? We were from Auron. There were six of us when we set off on this project. Unfortunately, our knowledge was not far enough advanced then to eliminate death. Though we did possess the power to keep alive our thoughts and ideas. The bodies reverted, but the minds lived on. Callous people. The Aronard. Yes, we were from the Aronard, not of them as Cali is. But that's why you were able to control her. That's why we had to control her. She would not have accepted us freely. You are the only one of the six that is left. Mechanical aids sustain this body. Through it, all six of us continue to live. Our combined mental powers generate Gila and Novara to carry out all physical operation in our experiments. They have no life of their own? None. If our life support should fail, they would simply wither away. But thanks to you and your energy cells, that will not occur. So that all I have spoken to them about, all they have told me, that was you talking, not them? Correct. And did you mean what you said? You're going to destroy the decimals? It would have been wiser to have done so before they became so numerous. But to discharge a lethal level of radiation required more power than we had available. But the cells I'm providing will give you that power. Of course. No, I can't let that happen. Without that power, you cannot escape the web. Then we must come to a new understanding. You won't get those cells until we do. Avon, stay on board until you hear from me. This is Villa. But don't teleport Avon till I say so. I just did. I put him down about 10 seconds ago. Yeah, he uh, he gets some weird thing. Because he also, I don't know if you're going to mention this, but he also says, 
um, or someone says that he's a, a corporate identity. Yes. And I thought that's not the right word, is it? Corporate. That's like Pepsi or, or uh, you know, um, it's a sneaker maker. Saying, corporate identity. Yeah. I don't. I, I was going to look it up, and I thought, is this the right word? Well, what I was thinking, I mean, he he says that he is indeed one of the lost, right? Whose body yep. has come to house the minds not only of himself but of the five others that left Auron. But I was thinking, if you've got six minds in one body, isn't that a gestalt? Yeah. Which we learned yeah. about in Rescue. That's a gestalt, isn't it? I well, yeah, I, certainly more so than a corporate identity. Yeah, and the other thing, I mean, right? This is story number five in the first season so you know we've known very little about Callie and we don't know when we're watching this how much we're going to learn about the Alron race I mean we know very little other than they're like us and they can you know project their thoughts but I'm assuming back here you know the Alrons are more powerful powerful enough that they can actually merge six minds into one body that they can mentally contact Callie from far away or even know that she was out there, you know. It seems that in this in this story, the Aurons, or f some of the Aurons, were far, far more powerful than what we find out, you know, in, in later seasons. Yeah, they're, they're almost like godlike powers, aren't they, in sort of this, which later on, they're just people that live in a car park. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it is, yeah, it is different. That, But you get, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that they probably wouldn't have they probably thought we'll in season two we'll explore some of this, and there was no probably no thought mm. about what it would be. So I, it does leave it open. I it mean, does it, leave it very open. Yeah, it it got me as well because Callie never meets uh, this guy. Simon, no, Simon. No. I think Sauron. No, it's not Sauron, is it? <laughs> Although he had a big red eye, so he did. But yeah, Callie never meets him, which is a bit no. weird, and. It's almost like this episode's got too much, too many ideas. If, mm. if if it's any criticism of it, and this is, I think this is going to be a very low criticism for an episode, is that there's too many things rattling about in it that would have, yeah, been better to explore a bit more. Mm. If it was a two-part story, you could yeah, do it's it. such a shame they didn't do two parts, or or even went with the Doctor Who formula where you had four parts to one story. You know, you could have done that and explored this stuff better. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's I mean it's it it again it's one of those where you want to know more but then it clips along at a fast old pace so it certainly does yeah because we get all this in a couple of minutes you know and uh, I I like Simon yeah, yeah there are limitations on um on the special effects for him but I like him I like his little wiggling yeah. body that wiggle I don't know how that wiggles I don't know if somebody's got like a little wire or something and is jiggling him around but uh, I mean it's probably I, the actor Probably yeah, poking maybe. from behind, yeah. <laughs> maybe he has got little Kermit, like, little yeah. rods coming out to move him, yeah. But he says the cells will have enough power to kill all the decimers. And uh, and Blake says he doesn't give a damn about their life support failing, and he won't stand by and watch them be wiped out. And calls the Liberator to say, don't sound, send down Avon, but he's already down. Yeah. Now, that... Uh, gave me a, a question, and I don't know if uh, this is a, a, ever explained in the show. 
the bracelets that they're wearing, do they only ever contact the Liberator? Can you think of a time where anybody with a bracelet has called anyone else with a bracelet, or do you have to go through the Liberator? What a good question, because we, we said this the other day, didn't we? In, um, we said it about when we talked yeah. about Provine. When when Villa was running off to, to tell Blake about Provine, when, why didn't Villa just call Blake? But yeah, I can't think they of... Can't. Any, Maybe they can't. If anybody out there is listening, can you go to yeah. Facebook and tell us that we're wrong and that on certain story this did happen? But I can't think of any time where anyone communicated directly without going through the Liberator. No, I'd have to have a good old think about that. But you, Well, you I've know, been that's... having a think, but it's too hot and I can't think yeah. too much. That's like a mind-blown moment. Yeah. But I've never considered that, yeah. It, they, just, it just communicates with the Liberator. The liberator. Yeah, yeah. What a crappy design, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm just have a think about I, it and let me know. Yeah, I'm just assuming they're communicators, like Star Trek communicators, but they might not be. Of course, yeah, you might be right. Right, it, I might it, be it's a one-way system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Blake goes outside as he says, "There's a friend of mine out there." So there you yeah. go, straight friend. away, friend, friend. Yeah, he's quite annoyed by it, isn't he? He's not. Yeah. He puts a bit of emotion into it. He does. He does. Yeah. yeah. Um, they search for Avon, uh, followed by the Decimers. Um, and as we've said, Avon's down and he's wearing his colour-coded anorak. And it's grey. Now, I'm just wondering, is that intentional, you know, to have it a cold and bland colour? Because that's the character, you know, this emotionless, you know, character. I've been looking for you. What's going on? Let's get undercover first. Cells. What do you think these are? Field rations? Listen, there's a problem. If we let them have those, they'll use them to wipe out an entire race of creatures, people here. If it concerns you, don't give them the cells. No, there's more. They've got a carrier beam which projects a fungicide which will clear a way through the web for us. It doesn't work without this power. Oh, well. If it's between the creatures and us, there's no argument. Even your irrational conscience should be able to cope with that. What do you want to do? Hold off long enough to make a deal. We're going to have to be quick, Blake. Those pursuit ships are coming this way. I'll hide these cells. They can have them when they agree to our terms. What are our terms? They're going to use lethal radiation to kill everything out here. If they allow us to destroy the radiation equipment, well, at least the Decimus will have some form of chance. Why should they agree? They need the power. They can't survive without it. Neither can we. I'll bear that in mind. Don't worry. I'll remind you. This is what I was saying earlier about that. So they all get color-coded, and you've got, like, the ladies' ones are, are pinks and reds. But surely they would have just picked them on size. Yes. They would have gone in and gone, oh, this one fit. So why didn't, like, Avon end up with a pink one? Or Yeah, yeah it's... Why can't you have two greens? Yeah. Well, yeah. Why? What? What happens after you've you've exhausted all the colours in the spectrum? Yeah, it's like Captain Scarlet, isn't it? There's only so yeah. many colours you can have. Yeah. yeah, a couple of them were dodgy, weren't they? They were. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But Avon says that if it's between us and them, there's no contest. And and he pauses as he knows that Blake won't go that way. He knows that yeah, you know, there's nothing that he can. Um, he can do to change his mind. And then there's a resigned, what do you want to do? I mean, 
Avon's going along with it, isn't he? He's not saying you're crazy. We got to get out of here. He's not arguing. Yeah. He 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 doesn't agree with what Blake's doing, but he's going along with it. Yeah, I think it's almost as if he realizes that it's quicker just to go along with it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and there's he's, there's no he's lovely yeah. pragmatist, isn't he, Avon? Yeah, yeah. there's no there's no any, there's no sense of belligerence or aggression no. when he tells Blake that he's got to be quick. Um. And then they hide the cells under some moss. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the two appear and they and they don't believe that he didn't bring them down with him and give Avon an electric shock. Now, that electric shock effect, it's not as bad as that domestic fusion thing that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, but it's pretty bad, isn't it? It's not very good. And, again, and Avon, he must... I, I don't know whether he is like a masochist or something like that, but it, in... in um, in the Gunsaw episode, he sort of he does that oh almost yeah. a little thrill when he gets injured, and he does it again in this like he when does. they're they're electrocuting him. And it's like that's on the lowest setting, and you can almost see it crossing his mind going oh, <laughs> <laughs> ratchet up a bit. Yeah, let's see how much I can take. Yeah, <laughs> they give the cells over and they go back to the base, uh, leaving the door open. Yeah. Now, yeah, if, stupid people, aren't they? Stupid. Now, if somebody had remembered to close it, what do you think would have happened next? Okay, I mean, even if Blake walked away from it and said, "Okay, release us. We're going to turn our back on it," which he would never do, but if he had, what would have, what would have happened then? I mean, would Simon yeah, yeah, but what would have Simon? What I'm saying is, what is his ultimate goal? Because if he can start all over again, get rid of the Decimus, start again, you've still just got Samon in a tank with two people that he's created, creating a new race. What is the ultimate goal here? What are they going to do? Yeah, I, I, I think he's just mad at this point, isn't he? He is mad. Yeah, what, or they're mad. His... We should say they, yeah. because it's actually six people in one, isn't it? That's true, yes. yes. Well, perhaps that's it. That, well, there you go. That's the ultimate committee thinking. Yes. His ideas are rubbish because he's got six people not agreeing with each other in his yeah. mind. Right, right, okay. Uh, That's so, what he yeah. said when he's a corporate identity. He's a board of a. It's a corporation. Firm. He's a yeah. corporation. Yes. <laughs> he should, he so should, in that case, his tank should have been on one of those black, shiny, long tables that yes. you have conference meetings around. That's what it should and have been sh on. They should have given him a little tie to wear on his little chunken body. A little tie, yes. <laughs> Come on, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Decimus follow them in, and uh, they've installed the power cells and the Decimus attack. And like I say, lots of cats screeching, which freaked yeah. our cats out. <laughs> Don't watch it last thing at night. If, if uh, no, no. Turn the sound down first. Um, Blake fires the beam, which fires the fungicide, um, and we've got much destruction. And Avon says, "Is is this?" lot worth saving and Blake says that they're fighting for their lives um, and yeah, Samon Avon's not impressed is he with he's not impressed the at all by these decimers no no but Blake Blake just sees yeah. them as living creatures and you know fighting for their lives quite rightly um, Samon is screaming in agony and unfortunately I mean maybe I didn't notice this you know back in the day watching it on my little screen and that but now watching it on a 50-inch plasma um, on DVD. When that, when the actor is uh, pulling his head back to scream, he's actually coming out the hole in the foam. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, it's... you've got a black gap all the way around. That's what I said. Oh, I dear. think if he had been filmed directly face-on, 
that you wouldn't yes. have noticed that. But the because they're filming from the side, it's it's fairly obvious. Yes, you know how the effect is done. Yeah, yeah. Um, up on the Liberator, Gan has got that VR set on again, yeah. hasn't he? Uh, we should have done a tally for that because I think this yeah. is about the third or fourth time we've actually come across this device. Um, yeah, I wonder in, if it is their watching shows. tally. Oh, is it like you remember those Tomitronic 3D games you used to get? Yeah, or it's a Viewmaster or something. Yeah, or Viewmaster. Yeah. Yeah, we've said about that before, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he's learning about you know those uh, the things that Cali sabotaged at the beginning. You know, Could so be. when or, Avon says, "Oh, it's slow," he's actually taking lessons now. He might be learning Esperanto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the language of the future. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but we get a nice model shot of the Liberator as the web disappears. Um, really nice that is. It's yeah. nice that they've they've got. It's not a superimposed shot. They've got the big three foot model of the liberator and they have strung you know creepy cobwebs or something over the top of it yeah it's a shame they they end i mean they it's not a shame but they they end on a lovely shot like that but the first shot we see the liberator like you say is the cartoon liberator yes yeah yeah no nice model work um we've still got more destruction as as those brothers and sisters are trampled on because they're now skeletons yeah um, well they're skulls well, empty are, suits, aren't they? No, no, no. There are feet sticking out the end of one of oh, them. When, right. when, when the decimate, yeah, no. When when you see the second one, I don't know if it's the male or the female. There are skeleton feet sticking out the bottom of the suit, and yeah, it's quite grim actually. There seems to be like some sort of redness to them, like 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 they were boiled skulls. I, yeah, I remember um, when I saw it as a kid. That bit did live with me for a while. Mm. I, I I used to have a thing about not a thing for skeletons, but a thing about they <laughs> used to scare me. And like, remember in um, the Space nineteen ninety nine episode, Devil's Domain. Oh De- yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it Devil's Domain? No, Dragon's Domain. Dragon's Domain. Um, yeah, when the bodies yeah. shoot back out. Yeah. Yes. And that scared the crap out of me, and I, I it lived with me for a long time. And these did as well. I remember the skulls. Yeah. yeah. So it obviously worked. Whoever, whoever yeah, did no, it. Yeah, no, Dragon's well Domain. Anyone that age, you know, it stays with you. We did an yeah. episode on that, on effectively speaking, and it's like. That that stays with me now. That is that is creepy as heck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be. But I was wondering, are are they skeletons because they they are you know con- constructs done by his will and he's lost his concentration, so now they revert back to skeletons. Yeah, I it could be. Or is it the is it whatever beam they were going to use to destroy the decimers has gone off, and that's what it would yeah. have done to them. I don't know. I don't know. But while the decimas are smashing the place up, they really do look like Zygon heads. When you see them in yeah. profile, the curve of that back of the head, it's almost identical. Um, now, obviously, they can't be leftover Zygon heads because no. these costumes are a lot smaller, but they are very, very close. Yeah, so I, I, there has to be an influence, doesn't there, I think? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, they smash it all up. Blake and Avon teleport as uh, Simon's tank is attacked and we get one last screen for him. I would like to have seen him tipped out or it tipped over. Yeah, but or, the, or I broken. Guess, yeah. Or broken, but judging by the standard of the effects, maybe not. I think any effect to do that maybe might not have been uh, too convincing. Yeah. I, also, probably they wouldn't have wanted water gushing out or anything, would they? No. 
And hang on, thinking about it. Yeah, that was on video. Was it on video or was it? Film? Yeah, that was on video in the studio. So yeah, no, you they, can't. You would have had to gone to film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that. That's <coughs> the end of him. Uh, we go up to the Liberator. They set course for Centauro again, and uh, Avon tells Blake, you know, that there's only one thing, and that's change is inevitable. So it ends on a little bit of a tiff between the two of them, but uh, yeah, that's the story over. And what a good one. What a good episode. It was a very good story. I really did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, lightweight. And as you said at the very beginning, it's a standalone. It, yeah. it, it, you can it cut shows it out us the, without. Yeah, it shows us the blasters working, but we don't learn anything more about, you know, um, uh, uh, about these guys, about our heroes. You know, that, that they've set course back to Centro, which is what they were doing at the well, end of uh, yeah. Time Squad. Yes. We learn, we learn a minuscule amount about Callie, and it sort yeah, of very, very uh, people yeah. a bit, but not, yeah. not in any detail. No. All right. So, behind the scenes then. Uh, we keep talking about the direction, and uh, the director was Michael E. Bryant, who did uh. Project Avalon, but he's showing far more flair here I mean, there were good camera angles in Project yeah. Avalon when they were down at Wookie Hole and that, uh, but it, it was kind of conventional, wasn't it? But this has got a bit more flair to it, okay? Yeah, I, th I, th I wonder if they had a bit because these were early episodes; they were given a bit more time. Yeah, yeah. Because, because they they would have still been working out ways of doing stuff, wouldn't they? By the time Project Avalon is yeah. pretty much, you know, they know what they they know what shots they got to get to do the uh, yeah. teleport. They know what works on the bridge um, yeah but having said that though he also did the way back he did the very first episode yeah. and there wasn't visual flourishes in that that was kind of like standard almost yeah, like, like uh, drama yeah 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 it, it was a drama yeah but he also did orac which we'll be talking yeah. about one day and deliverance as well so when we come across those two episodes we'll have to look out for any sort of see if there's any sort of flourishes okay i think he, he did some doc twos as well didn't he he did revenge of the cybermen yeah. Which one of my favourites. Sam Wookie Hole, and he did Robots of Death, and I'm wondering if this is why mm. we've got you know the guy in it uh, as playing Navara. He yep. was SV7 in Robots of Death, so it could be that it was a director's choice. You know, did he direct? Did he direct? Did you say he directed Seek, Locate, Destroy? Or no, he didn't. He didn't. No, no, no. All right. Um, exteriors, as we said, that was Black Park. Okay. And according to camera assistant Nigel Slatter, the folk playing the decimers, and this is his quote, would rabbit all day long about the height of the bracken. It was about five feet high and they were four foot, so they had trouble moving around. They were always moaning about something, the height of the bracken or that they hadn't had their breakfast. <laughs> Moany decimers. Moany decimers. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, one of the decimers was played by Marcus Powell, somebody we're going to be talking about and looking about at in a future episode because he played the Tharn in Dawn of the Gods, and we're going to do oh, an episode right. on the Tharn, oh, yeah. okay? So to be continued with him. Um, yeah, lead decimer was Deep Roy, and we're going to do an episode on him one day as well. And quote from him, It was very cold and we were in a forest somewhere. Those costumes were also very cold, especially if they got wet going through the forest. And then we had the opportunity one day to destroy the whole lab, the ship and everything. We all had a great time destroying that. I got so carried away that I touched some of the stuff we were supposed to leave alone, alone and threw that in too. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like they were uh, getting into it. 
So that's um, why it was such a, a convincing wave of destruction. They were getting their own back for all those missed breakfasts and yes, cold bits. Yeah, and, and freed it. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, according to Gareth Thomas, it took nine takes to film Deep Roy's uh, electrocution scene. Uh, because his eyes kept crossing. Every time he fell mm-hmm. to the floor, he would cross his eyes and everyone would start cracking up. Oh, bless him. Yeah. And he, Gareth also said that that inflatable part of the base would take off if there was a gust of wind and everyone <laughs> tore down the path to catch it. Okay? Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the decimers were designed, as I say, by Barbara Lane and they were built by Martin Adams. Uh, the costumes had no shoulders and no neck, so the body went straight into the head. So basically, yeah, where the shoulders of the decimas would be, that would be halfway down your forearm, I would, uh, uh, biceps, I would have thought. Yeah. And they numbered them inside so that each head would match a body. So that's how they did that. Okay. Uh, Samon was played by Richard Beale, okay, who wasn't at all happy with the final <laughs> effect of him in the tank. And I don't blame him. No. Because the initial idea was to have something hiding him somewhat. A bit like, you know, uh, the smoke that you see in, in the Navigator's tank in Dune. Yeah. Where you kind of like see the Navigator, but it's through a shimmery effect, okay? There was meant to be an obscuring, okay? There was actually meant to be a CSO ripple effect over him. Which oh, if yeah. it had been done, it, everything we've, we, we've said was negative about Samon is it, negated, gone, yeah. isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but it would never work. I mean, Nick Mallett said, um, I know the actor wasn't happy about suspending himself in a tank. Whenever he wanted to go, the, go to the loo, it was a major undertake, undertaking. It was one of those difficult areas where special effects didn't have the resources or the script arrived at a busy time when they couldn't do any more. And I think Martin Collins, the designer, looked after it in the end. So, yeah, initially the original idea was, yes, we've got this actor with his head poked through a bit of foam with a bit of a silly tiny body but don't worry because special yeah, effects are going to take care it. of it and then special effects never did take care of it ironically they could have sort of killed two birds with one stone couldn't they they could have let the actor wee into the water that was round his head <laughs> and that would have obscured it and it that would have solved that problem as well yeah or number twos as well you don't need well, goldfish, yeah, a few floaters yeah yeah, it would, yeah. Yeah. Now, this Richard Bill, did you recognise his face? It, I mean, you don't see an awful lot of him. I mean, he's got a bit, no, bit of like latex on it as well. Um, no, you've I seen him in it. stuff, Ian. Oh, right. You have actually seen him in stuff because Richard Bill has a genre tally of seven. All right. Wow. Yeah. The very first thing he was in was Doctor Who. Okay. He was in The Ark. Do you own The Ark? Yeah. Uh, I've got The Ark, yeah. William Hartner one, yep. Yeah. Um... Now, I haven't got the arc. I've never seen the arc. But he plays somebody called... Are they called Refusions? Oh, now, interestingly, the Refusions are invisible. So I probably wouldn't ah, recognise right, them. Ah, right, right. So he played okay. the voice, yeah. All right, he played the voice of something invisible. Yeah. Was that right? So you don't recognise him from that. Next one, I'm sure you've got this, because this is William Hartnell as well. And it's a lead character in it. In The Gunfighters, okay, yep. he played Bat Masterson. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but obviously, right. there's more of his head there, and he might yeah. have a hat on as well, and hair. Yeah, I think he had a big bushy moustache as well. So. Right, and a bushy moustache. All right. The next Doctor Who, this is his third Doctor Who in a row. Um, you won't have seen it, because nobody sees it now. He was in the Macro Terror. Okay. Oh, right. I wouldn't He was a broadcaster in the Macro Terror. Um, the next thing he was in, again, Doctor Who, 
uh, and one that I know that you've got, and I know the one that you watch a lot. So you definitely have seen him, but it just hasn't registered. He was in the Green Death, okay? Right. And as the Minister of Ecology. Now, I haven't right. gone back to check him, but I will, I will for the Facebook page. But yeah, I seem to remember there was a Minister of Ecology, and that yeah. was him, all right? Oh, wow. Um, next thing was this in Blake 7. Then it was uh, The Legend of King Arthur, where he played Sir Ector. And the last uh, genre thing he was in was the tripods, okay? Which yeah, which I I used to watch, but I don't remember a great deal about. Other I used to watch it, and it, I don't remember yeah. it. I I don't think it was memorable. Uh, no. He played somebody called Ulf, okay? Ulf, Ulf. not Alf, Ulf. Um, so yeah, that gives him a genre tally of seven and a who tally of four, which is quite high. Yeah, for, no, that's for a respectable. Who tally. It is respectable. So yes, that's it. That's our our, our Samen episode over. Okay. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed this one. It was um it was nice to, it, it was difficult because normally I when I rewatch these I'm watching it making copious notes. This one I had to watch twice because I got drawn into it. Because mm. yeah, good episodes I tend to. I find know what you're that. saying. Yeah. When something happens on the screen, you go to write something. You're missing something while yeah. you're writing something. Yeah. So I was concentrating on this, and I looked at my notes, and I thought, oh, I haven't written anything, so I better rewatch some of that. But yeah, it was it was a. Uh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, you forget when <laughs> it sounds awful again. Bashing on season four, when you watch from season four, much as we enjoyed Gunsar, but you you then watch season one, and it's it's such a shock the difference yeah. in quality. It was like you were saying on the Gunsar episode. You know, your wife was saying, "Well, where's Jenna? You know, yeah. where's the Liberator? And where's Zen?" I think you know. Every fifth episode, we do a special episode. But if we didn't do that, if last week's episode was Gunsar, right, and then we go straight into the web, I think the difference would be even more startling. Yeah. It would make it would make the web appear much better, and you know, power much less wouldn't it i'm glad yeah, we've got this it's... like a break between fourth and first a little breathing space but even with that breathing space of one week yeah the difference between this episode and the enjoyment you get out of it and uh yeah power... they, are, they, they are completely different shows i think it's been interesting on um on uh, a couple of the the blake seven facebook pages that i sort of frequent i think i think you're on as well there's, people have been talking about season four and favorite episodes and that, and it, it there seems to be a bit of love out there for season four. Mm, there does, there does. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know. I'd love to sort of break it down and do when, what was the first season you watched? Yes. And I bet a lot of these people that love season four, they that's probably where they started, or they didn't watch it, you know, when uh, upon transmission, and they watched it after the fact, you yeah. know. Whereas, you know, you and I, we've, we have we spent those, you know, uh, three or four years, you know, um, you, you know, building up our love for the show and then encountering, you know, a dropping off of quality. And that stayed with us ever since, you know. That's it. The, the, invest, the investment we put in watching it. Yeah. It's a, yeah. And then it's, I suppose it's, it's a bit like um, the only other thing I can think of that possibly similar is something like Lost, where hmm. I remember... I, we used to love watching Lost, and you'd you'd build up such a commitment to it, and it made the final sort of season and certainly the final episode such a an absolute abysmal downturn in quality mm. because you. Had, but if you watched it now, if you if you binge watched it, 
you probably wouldn't get that. You would go, no. oh, it's all, it's I think that's what's happening sort of here. Yeah. I think what's happening here. But, you know, what we're saying about that, you know, um, you watch a season one after a season four, you know, it's quite startling. But I don't think it happens the other way because very often I think when we do a season one and then we do a season two, you're going to have actually an improvement, you know. Yes. And, and, well, it's and, incremental and... as well, isn't it? So yes. Season one is, you know, hard, almost hard-edged. Then it gently softens for season two, softens a fair bit more for season three. And then when you hit four, it's you've sort of inc- incrementally built up to it. Yes. Whereas then like you say going back from season four to season one it's that's the the cliff edge it's like whoa that's such a you can see the difference here yes yes and i think this is going to be with the case with uh the next episode um where 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 we just up things because uh uh next time we're going to have a killer of an episode aren't we (laughs) because i see what i did there as well uh because we're going to be discussing tinus yes i think that again i think that uh, be a good one be a good one it might so. be a long one next yeah. one i mean this is quite a long one but i think we might actually beat it next time so all right everybody if you want to tune in next time uh we're talking tinus so uh yeah join us for that thank you ian no problem all right and uh yeah see you next time bye thanks Anne. bye